I think I would say that the seeds that grow the most are the ones that get water and sunlight. And I don't know about you, but I did not get any. I was mm. not a well-tended plant. Mm. <laughs> to be a good, to be a plant that grows, you need nourishment. You need support. You need like a lot of other shit going on. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig News Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I'm joined once again by my friend, Sarah J. Ruthless. If you didn't hear our first conversation, feel free to pause this one and go check that one out. Uh, I could talk to Sarah for hours. I'm just so grateful for their vulnerability and willingness to share about their experience within evangelicalism. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Sarah J. Ruthless. There's a a clip that I posted from our last conversation that you talked about how almost painful it is to say we're not the ones that fell on rocky soil. Yeah. Right. You know, like, you know, um, and I was thinking more about that because I still have evangelical mind in me. Okay. And I think it's a good, no, 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 in a good way. It's like, I anticipate the pushback. So, we haven't gotten any, none of this pushback, but I'm like, this is where they would get it right ish. If they could try, if they wanted to go for like a real dig, this is what they would say. Well, in the parable, the, the people that, that grew in the rocky soil are the ones who received the word with joy. But then when the troubles of life showed up, the persecutions, they got choked out and died. So, so I'm thinking to myself, that's I'm, that's still not us. I still don't believe that's us. Yeah. I wonder if you were to hear that kind of pushback, how would that how would that feel to you? Like, what would your response be to that kind of a pushback? Um, I think I would say that the seeds that grow the most are the ones that get water and sunlight. And I don't know about you, but I did not get any. I was mm. not a well-tended plant. Mm. <laughs> to be a good, to be a plant that grows, you need nourishment. You need support. You need like a lot of other shit going on. And um, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't think I was a high maintenance believer. Yeah. You make a great point. When Jesus talks about people having faith like a child, he's not talking about someone who blindly obeys. He's talking about someone that asks a lot of questions because guess what? That's the kind of kid I was. That's the kind of kids I have. They are relentless with their questions. And you sound like you were that kind of person. Yes, deeply. (laughs) So for me, you're not the kind, this whole idea that it's like, oh, you heard about Jesus and you received it. It's not about hearing about Jesus. That's not what it is. That's not what he's talking about. But you, the blame is put on you, the seed for where you, right? Yeah. You didn't choose any of that. thinking about like thinking about what I said in the last Hmm. in the last episode about like we were the ones who believed the most and I want to like elaborate on that that like I 
it's who who can quantify how much one person believes or another. Like, I'm not trying to say that other people, I'm not trying to minimize anyone else's faith, but more just like defend the faith that I did have yes. that like, it wasn't something I, I came by lightly. I didn't, it wasn't like a flippant, like I didn't just choose it just because I was born into it. I really wrestled with it. Yes. And I feel like that's why like the decision to leave cost me so much. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a choice. I just like flippantly made. I I wrestled with my faith. I asked all of the questions. I pushed back. I read the Bible so many times. I, you know, had my dark nights of the soul crying out to God and I never heard an answer. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, I, I don't think faith is as hard for people that, um, that don't ask as many questions that don't wrestle with it. You know what I mean? That, yes. that person thinks that whatever they're interpreting as hearing the voice of God, if it's like that brand of evangelicalism, like I, I knew those people, I grew up with those people. I was raised by those people. I, I wish, I wish it had worked. I mean, I, I don't know if I wish it had worked but <laughs> <laughs> well, choose my I, carefully, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I do know what you mean because I think that what, you're getting at is something that we keep finding over and over again that there's there's this sadness mm -hmm. that we feel of like of loss of tremendous loss mm -hmm. of like the people and the safety and all that other sort of stuff so you wish that it wasn't this way because you wish that all of that wasn't a part of it in some way right is that what you're saying yeah like i i i look at the people in my life who would say things like, you know, like we were saying last time, like, just lean on Jesus, like, just give it yes. to God. Like the people that say, oh, I just don't know how people like get through the day without Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know how you get through it with him. Like how it like, I'm like, seriously, I'm not trying to be rude, but like, it's, so it's just like this imaginary friend that you talk to all day long. Like, I don't. That's a great question. How do you get through it with him? Because the him that you're talking about is not some first century Jewish man. It's this imaginary right white jesus yeah yeah like, like white american jesus that you're relying on to make you feel good when you could actually find it in a more embodied way yeah right yeah. so when you get out of that like we're now we're free of it right so we're free of it in the sense that it doesn't control our minds in the same way but it's still there yeah yeah are, there's what are what are some of the ways that shows up for you it horrifies me how much I still will have knee-jerk reactions to pray. I, yeah, feel, I have weird feelings about it. Like I think the most recent, like significant occasion of that was I, my cat ran away about a year ago and oh. she was gone for three days and it was terrifying. That's the worst. I guess she'd ever been gone. And like, I remember one, like biking around the neighborhood looking for her. And I kept thinking, dear God, please let her be okay. And then being like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, it was like, it was, it was, it just came to my head so fast. Yep. Um, yes. I, the way that I have, the way that I'm reckoning with that is, mm. um, have you seen the movie, A Beautiful Mind? Oh, yes. Love that movie. yeah so there's i haven't seen it in a in a bit but the part that i think about a lot i, I might be paraphrasing some of this 
so he john nash was a he was a brilliant mathematician and he had he suffered from schizophrenia and one of his hallucinations was a person telling him that he was like a secret cia agent person mm-hmm. and he had to like crack these codes and so he like is writing these complex mathematical code whatever i don't know i don't do math <laughs> neither <Me> we're <laughs> doing some math shit i guess um and putting them in these envelopes and then putting them in this like secret mailbox you know you yes. go to this location by this mysterious house and Ed Harris is there with his hat and they're like, oh, <laughs> Ed Harris is perfect for that, isn't he? So perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I can't remember if it's his, if it's his wife or if it's the doctor, mm. someone like confronts him and like takes, once they realize what's going on and that he's like having these elaborate hallucinations, um, uh, takes him to the, to like someone follows him and figures out what he's doing and takes him to the mailbox like during the day and he's like no no like we can't open like we're not supposed to be here like the the russians whatever they're gonna find us like this is supposed to be secret and they open up the mailbox and all of his letters come out yeah he's like oh shit i've been writing to no one that's what it felt like that's what praying my like the end of my relationship to prayer felt like like i had been writing all these letters to like you you refer to god as kind of like your santa claus like it was like like i'd been writing to i thought i was writing to a person this whole time and then Mm. realized they'd all just been sitting there but like but i don't writing like john nash didn't stop mathing you know he just stopped like doing it for like a secret cia operation that didn't exist but he still kept doing like i still i still write i still you know journal i still I'm yes. just not, um, I'm just like talking to myself now because I always was. Now I just know that I am talking to myself. <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah. Like it's just a, a recognition of, oh, this isn't somewhere outside of me. This is just me expressing my innermost fears, desires, uh, whatever. And like, you can give yourself good advice. <laughs> you can. Absolutely. Like, That's a thing you're allowed to do. <laughs> And like, I mean, low key, I kind of feel like that's what people that are praying are already doing. It is. Uh, Which in a way I'm almost envious of because I feel like they're, the people that like really believe they're hearing the voice of God almost have a better sense of their own instinct than like I do. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Like, let's pretend that, let's assume that the voice that they're hearing that they think is God um, is really just like their, their instinct, their gut instinct. Like they hear that voice more clearly than I ever did because I've that's the one I've been like tuning out my whole life, trying to hear the voice of God. And like, that's yes. the one I should be listening to. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you mentioned in the last episode, I believe it was your dad heard the voice of God a lot. Right. Oh, so, God. so he had like an inner, this could make sense. And this could be one of those social location things. Like I wonder how many white men hear the voice of God a lot simpler than other people. Um, because we don't have as many barriers to understanding ourselves and being our full selves. Ooh. In society. There's a lot to unpack there. That's <laughs> interesting. I hadn't actually thought of that. Me either. It's just coming out in the spot here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I loved the idea that you get to be more honest with who you are and what you're dealing with without that sort of, I don't know, need to place it on some other thing, like wondering. Yeah. And yeah. take ownership of it. Yes. Like, Right. I, I I know there's there can be a sense of relief and um, comfort in like believing that like everything happens for a reason or something. But like if you I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm just a, a dirty pessimist, but like I I couldn't I couldn't ever like reconcile with that. Like if the same Oof. God that answers your prayer for getting a prayer or a parking spot, he's the same God that like didn't answer your prayer when your kid died of cancer. Like exactly. I, I, I can't 
can't, I can't fuck with the idea of a God that would like pick and choose and give you the parking spot, but not save your kit. Like I can't, I can't fuck with that. So I have to believe that like, what is that? There's a Patton Oswalt special where life, life is chaos. Be kind. Like that's it. Like life is chaos. Just like be kind. I love that. And it's so much more true than everything happens for a reason. Because if you believe everything happens yeah. for a reason, then you have to include things like the Holocaust in there. Yes. <laughs> right. So anyone that says that is more often than not, because I genuinely believe that most people are sweet and soft and sensitive and, um, that that the person is that when you get to the person and you really get to know them that they're just life is chaos right they're experiencing that when we get together that's a different story but the person that says everything happens for a reason is innocently doing so out of ignorance they're just like once you propose this like you know that that means x y and z right yeah they're often not thinking about that they're just like oh this was just so great this must this must be because god's watching out for me yeah yeah when you're just you're just going along with life just like everyone else and good things happen and not so great things happen that's our life yeah (laughs) that's our life (laughs) but but meaning is it's everything i remember when i was leaving um the church the idea that like of meaning didn't matter to me anymore. Like nothing needs to mean something. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just, this is the way I'm expressing who Dave is in the world. This is the way Sarah's expressing who Sarah is in the world. Mm -hmm. And we all get to do that. Yeah. But what we grew up in requires uniformity of expression. Mm -hmm. And at some point, if you start to want to express your more full self, your own true self, which is anti-Christian because you're supposed to crucify crucify that person, then you're done for, then you don't belong anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I really struggled with, with worship. And Mm. so it's really interesting watching like other people in this community that um, like you were, you did worship, Josh and Presley leaders. Like there's, I feel like a number of other people that are, in this community, like came from a worship background. I hated worship. I hated oh my, oh my. I'm not a good singer. No. And I, so I just like, didn't enjoy it. I'm a performer. I'm a, I, you know, went yes. to see school. So like the idea of like being asked to do, to perform something that I knew I wasn't good at was like my worst nightmare. Yeah. Like, let me do something that I'm good at. Please don't make me sing these songs off key. Like if they're <laughs> bad, like I'm so bad at singing. And and I never really cared for the music. I like, and this idea that like, that's, that's the only way we're allowed to worship. And I remember mm. re- really, really struggling with that. And so I spent like the so many fucking journal entries I have are just me writing during worship music, during the worship part of church, because yeah. like, this is, this is how I'm going to worship. Cause I can't stand here and say, do like, it just felt so, so forced. And like, why is that yes. the one way that we all decided like, did they have like one guy with a guitar back in like Jesus times? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. think, and everyone just like stood there and like sang the songs. And like, if, if this existed in a vacuum, I'm dying to know if like worship music church existed in a vacuum, who's the first person that decided to start raising their hands? Yeah. Where did that come from? Like, there's like this weird idiosyncratic, like culture of shit that people do during worship. And it was so bewildering to me. I always felt like an alien 
like watching us what are you guys doing and why (laughs) have you ever experienced that kind of emotional frenzy outside of a religious context I, i i think i know what you're getting at like i have heard other people say like that they like experienced what they thought was the Holy Spirit during church or during worship, and then like went to a concert and were like, oh no, I just like watching live music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever like, experienced? I never, I never experienced it during worship. You never had that emotional thing. Not once. Like that, I felt that's like- what, oh, that's so huge because the church relies on that. Yeah. For, you know? Yeah. And you I never tried had it. really hard. Don't get me wrong. Like I jumped up and down with the best of them, but I. <laughs> I could never do the hands thing. I always felt so goofy. Like Same. I, no, I felt like, like, have you ever given catnip to some kitties and one, it doesn't work on one of them? Yeah. Like, the one it didn't work on. Wow. And I'm like, why is everyone tripping out? Like, what am I doing wrong? It never, it never did anything to me. And I like music. I like going to shows, but I also do find concerts and situations like that really overstimulating. Mm. Like to me, my whole, everything in my body is like, ah, this is loud. There's lots of people. The lights are always too bright and it's always too loud and it smells weird. And I feel physically uncomfortable. Like I can never like relax enough to, I mean, you know, now I can at concerts because I have alcohol, but you know, like it never, <laughs> I, in a worship context, like, no, it never, I never got the I never got the feeling. Maybe that's why people get drunk in the spirit. Like they're just, (laughs) they're coping with all that. But that's interesting because not every, like if you don't have that experience, it's, that's not the thing that's going to keep you connected to this emotional, because the whole thing is built on this idea that you're supposed to feel something. I think I would get it when I like listen to music alone in my car. Mm. That's like when I, that actually, now that I'm like thinking about it more, yes, that's like when I... I get that feeling like I like I know what it is. It's just that never could happen for me in a context where it was like I was in a room with a bunch of people. Right. That warm, that warm, fuzzy goosebumps thing. So did because you weren't worshiping the way that they needed you to. Did they ever were they ever like, well, Sarah's really good with the arts. Like, did you ever like participate in some kind of. Yep. Let's I already see it. Uh, What did you do? Well, so like I this is another colloquialism from the church that I I really struggled with, uh, like making everything an act of worship to God. Yeah. I remember asking my dad once, like really asking him what, like, what is worship? I don't get it. Yeah. And he said, worship is just something that you give worth to. Okay. Like it's an act of showing that you find this thing worthy. Mm-hmm. It's worth your time. It's worth a shit. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in me explaining, like, I, I just don't feel it during worship music. It doesn't do anything for me. And he was like, but you're an actor, Sarah. Like when you're on stage, that's when you're worshiping God. Right, right, and I remember right. like kids at school being like, we had like one good pitcher on our ba- tiny fucking baseball team. And he was in the newspaper and it got like framed and put up at school because he like proudly told the news reporter, when I'm pitching, it feels just like I'm worshiping God. I remember, like, what is that? Like everything, like when you're playing soccer, that's worshiping mm-hmm. God. When you're yeah. singing, yeah. when I'm like doing Shakespeare on stage, that's worshiping God. Like, no, that's mine. That's my thing. Why does, again, it's the same energy as the like less of less of me and more of you. Like exactly. I'm just an empty thing that you're supposed to fill up. And I, but it's my thing. It's mine. Don't make it worship. <laughs> the, good for you ever having that feeling because when I, I remember I played basketball in high school and I ended up scoring a lot of points one game and afterwards people are like congratulating 
congratulating me on how well I played. And what did I do? I gave it the glory to God. <laughs> right. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I did too. Like I still said the things, <laughs> but I was like, I don't like, I wasn't this articulate and as a 14, 15 year old, but I was like, I, yeah, it didn't make sense. I didn't me. have that inner thing as much, but you know, looking back, it's like, well, was God practicing in the gym? before and after people were like, no, yeah. I was doing that. that was no, me. that was you. Yeah. That was your win. <laughs> and what's wrong with us being sort of able to take on that adulation or that like yeah. pride? And because I, I even think about it in terms of just basically thinking the invitation for faith and in general, what Jesus was doing was a an invitation to participate in the work he was doing. Whether you believe in all the other stuff or not, that's what he was doing. And so he, he was more interested in people becoming the answers to their prayers than he was people asking God to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And that's what you were saying, actually. It's like, well, we can just be the answer to our prayers. Everything that I do is just me trying to be the best I can be. Mm -hmm. So like, like, why I, does that need another layer of meaning? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it when Christians say things like, well, but if you don't, like, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't have God in your life, like what's stopping you from just going around murdering people then? Like, if you don't believe in heaven or hell, like, okay, first of all, Jesus is the only reason you're not going around murdering people. <laughs> so we should be worried about you. Yeah. But like in the, the converse of that, like, yeah, I don't, I don't need God to just be a kind person. No. I don't need God to do good things. Like I, and I, I don't need to like sit and pray about, you know, break my heart for the homeless. I could just go to like a soup kitchen and like help the homeless, <laughs> you know, you don't even have to go to soup kitchen. Like next time you see a homeless person at the highway freeway entrance, you know, give them, give them a $10 bill. Like that's a lot more helpful than you asking God to break your heart for them. There you go. Like that you're asking God to, to, and maybe this is why um, Christians, evangelical Christians are so anti government intervention in people's lives. Cause it's like, there's um, no no responsibility for what's going on on the planet. Like we always are saying like, God do the thing. When God is like, no, no, well, whatever your concept of God or whatever is like, no, this is yours. Like you do the work. Hmm. You got hands? Like go plant something. I don't know. Like <laughs> this, this whole thing that evangelicalism in particular, I think does more than maybe other traditions is it removes, it, it absolves you of the responsibility you have over your territory, over the life that you care about. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, there's a real disconnect there. There is for sure. So, um, the other, like the thing that I keep coming back to is how much this stuff is like integrated into our minds. You talk about like praying immediately i remember for years i would just hit the bed even though i didn't believe in like praying that way anymore even as a pastor i'd hit the bed and i'd be like god forgive me like that would be my first line god forgive me when i'd hit the bed and i'm like wait, whoa, whoa what am i doing <laughs> but it's such a it's like an impulse right yeah. so like we still engage a lot of us with christian stuff on the interwebs you're doing drunk Bible stories. 
I do like some commentaries. Like I go back and forth with people, Joshua and Presley, they do, you know, satirical worship. But we've talked about how like, I'll get a lot of trolls in some places. I'll get a lot of people like coming after me Mm -hmm. um, or my content. You don't get that. Not yet. No, not. And you've been making content longer than I have. I, I mean, have I maybe of a religious nature? I feel like mine's definitely more blasphemous than yours. It's not subtle, like how I feel about it. I don't know if it's because like it it is so clearly blasphemous and mm. so aggressively like I'm swearing and the God character wears a hat that says daddy like it's not subtle. Um, and like content like yours is more like you're more thoughtfully engaging with it. And like, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm thoughtfully engaging with it, too. You but, are. Like, it's a different maybe invites more like people feel like it's open to discussion or something. Yeah, for sure. I was yeah. surprised, though. I was really bracing myself for like all the angry Christians to come for me and they haven't found me yet. <laughs> no, no, they, they would, they would love to, I'm sure. But, um, there's something about the person that's overtly blasphemous that they're just like, oh, they're too far gone. I but think people, so. but like, people do, people do come for Joshua and Presley and they're pretty overtly blasphemous. Yeah. You know, their music's so catchy. Like I it think is... people maybe get lured in and they're like, oh my God, who's this new band? And then they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. My favorite, my favorite one of theirs is the, um, the, um, you know, we've heard that some of you are, you know, finding me Josh attractive and yes. I really want you guys to work on that. And we know that some of you have found Presley attractive too, and, and she'll be working on that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I showed that to so many people and it was amazing. How, like I had to like explain it just like some people didn't get the joke, like didn't get the satire, like knew that because I was hearing it. It was obviously a joke, but we're like, I don't get it. Like this happens. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, like a lot. Like well, <laughs> that touches on a big piece of it that it's, it is the culture is benefits people like me. So it's very, my road is just paved. There's so much power and ego that goes along with being a white male Christian. It's like, we're the top of the food chain. And there are so many people that don't experience that. And so when you're having a conversation with people who rely on that kind of security for their own well-being and the way that they need to feel good you're just going to come up against a lot of anger and people fighting back which is why i think it's really funny like you are telling drunk bible stories the way they do the drunk history on the comedy show and it's just like how how are people not getting upset about this i want people i want to see like not for your sake but i'm like i want to see how people are internalizing that because that must come across christian's feeds I mean, yeah, I even started like changing the hashtags around to be like Bible, Bible study, Bible verse, church, like rather than just like evangelical deconstruction. Like I, I, I'm, I'm feel so old. I barely know what I'm doing, but like I, I <laughs> algorithm, like I don't, I'm making this up as I go along, but. Okay. So that, that actually brings up a question for me, the, the hashtags, at what point would you say that you like deconstructed and you were done? I was trying to think of like, think about what the timeline really was like deeply entrenched up and all the way throughout high school. And then in college, I would say is when I like broke up with church, Yeah, but I still like identified as a Christian. Yeah, Um, And then after college, 
whole bunch of other shit happened and I was like just trying to sort like physically stay alive mm. so I like didn't have a lot of time to think about God and other shit but I remember bartending one night and talking to a patron and they said something casually like oh well but like you're an atheist right and I like stopped and was like no am I wait I don't know <laughs> holy shit and I don't think I don't think I owned it then I think I was like no I'm like agnostic i'm i'm open to i don't i like gave a vague answer yeah. like i wasn't i wasn't ready to like use the a word mm. yet like that and it took me a while longer to be like no yeah i'm a fucking atheist i mean i still like i like to say i'm a folklorist which is like an atheist but with more whimsy like i like stories like it's folklore it's just a story i love stories they're very powerful they're very mean meaningful you know they they really do give our lives meaning and, yes. and we can share them with our friends and our family and our kids and and raise them to believe in like the heroes and you know shit like that and good concepts and whatever but like i'm not gonna go door to door telling people about harry potter you know you're not gonna like fight for the to teach about like johnny appleseed in school like <laughs> not gonna go to church and worship thor you know what i mean like if you think about it, if you just like replace it with any other like character from a story that has like served a purpose in pop culture it's really weird that like this is the one y'all decided to fixate on. <laughs> um, the one where there's blood sacrifice that we that is required so much for genocide and murder and lots of killing babies. <laughs> so, so many intense. Uh, yeah, a folklorist. I really like that. I yeah. really like that. And I think probably whatever you were dealing with at the time to hear the word atheist was possibly the worst thing that you could think of when we were growing up when for me like yeah. atheists were terrible the worst so like, i could understand maybe worse than a satanist like worse than a satanist for sure because at least satan the satanist believed there was like oh there's still there's still belief in them they can come around i mean yeah I, like not that i knew what a satanist was actually satanists don't believe in satan at all now no i know i know <laughs> satanists like, actually have some well, lovely lovely beliefs have you ever read the seven tenets of satanism yeah 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 fantastic yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's one of those things where i'm similar to you like I, I say i typically will say something that um christians like and confuses people who are agnostic or atheist i say i'm a person of faith who's deeply inspired by the life and teachings of jesus as i understand them because okay. because um for me i when I learned that Jesus was a subversive revolutionary, like in that inspired people who would like fuck up the system, mm -hmm. that that's when I was like, oh, this guy's a badass. Like not it's in not the cheesy loving Jesus. Yeah, like not in the cheesy, but even his teachings are incredibly subversive. And if you read him and he's a socialist. <laughs> well, yeah, but yes. But if you read him and the Hebrew prophets from the lens of people who are oppressed and think about us as the, the oppressor, which is like we're like evangelicals are more like the Roman Empire than yeah. they are like the Jewish people who were oppressed during that time. So if you think of Jesus that way, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, he's incredibly inspiring. Now, do I pattern my life after a first century Jewish man? No, I don't. When I think about faith, I think about like, I'm spinning on a ball here in the, like, I don't know what's happening, but I don't need there to be something. I just am interested. 
I'm yeah. open to like whatever there could be. So that's why I, yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I'm not interested in like saying I'm this or that thing. Could I be one, an atheist one day an agnostic another day? Yeah, sure. I just think that what we're forced to, to engage with when we're younger is either or. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. So it's either Johnny Appleseed or not. Yeah, but I am going to start to fight for the right to teach about Johnny Appleseed (laughs) as that's so good and put it on our dot like on our currency and like (laughs) sing songs about him at like ball games like seriously it's fucking everywhere I yes remember early on when I was trying to like work in the film industry um I was uh helping a friend out um and it (laughs) so embarrassed i worked on this movie i don't fucking remember what it was called but it was a christian film michael w smith was in it i got to meet him he's actually like a lovely person i know and i was like the only person who had any christian background working on the movie and i was like michael w smith is gonna be <laughs> and everyone's like who's that and i'm like oh my god oh my god like uh, how am i here god what was it fucking called i don't i don't even think it ever got fully made it was about oh. this guy named Scott Heiberger who, like, he's a real dude. He, you know, did drugs and, you know, of was a asshole and then went to prison a bunch and then found Jesus a bunch, et cetera. <laughs> and at, the, at the end of the movie, the, the like, white Christian judge is like, you seem like a, a nice young man. I'm going to just get rid of all your records. You're fine. And, like, and that really happened. <laughs> but um, I can't imagine a movie with Michael W. Smith didn't get made. It's got to be out there. It's probably on Pure Flix or something. Oh, I I hope so. Can't believe I don't remember what it was called. I mean, I tried to block a lot of it out, but yeah. So my the friend I was working with, she had had a recent p- person in her life who had died of a drug overdose, hmm. and so she was sensitive to the fact that we were working on this movie where there was going to be like some scenes where there was a scene where someone does die of a drug overdose. Yeah. Um, and we were like kind of each other's emotional support animals because like there were days where she was like, I need to not be on set and watch this. And then mm. all the Christian stuff, I was like, I can't be on set and watch this. Like there was a, a we had to like, we shot a couple scenes in a mega church, like in the, and I like tried walking in with her and was like, nope, 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 can't do it. Nope. Wow. <laughs> Second I saw like the crane thing come down where they were filming it. I was like, I gotta get the, I gotta like get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Um, and she said still- afterwards, she, she was like, it's, it had never occurred to her before that, like, the thing that was kind of her trigger is something that everyone in the world pretty much unanimously is like, yes, heroin's bad. Like, yeah, drugs, drug overdoses are bad. We should avoid those. We should come up with things to help people so that they don't have drug overdoses. Mm-hmm. But but she was like, it's, it's a lot more fucked up that, like, not more fucked up, but at least my trigger isn't like something that everyone in the country feels pretty positively about. Mm. (laughs) Like it's hard to explain to people that don't get it, that haven't been raised that way, that never left it. um, That church can be triggering and it's fucking everywhere. (laughs) It's on every corner. Yeah. Do you still feel that way? I mean, I'm less triggered by it now for sure. Um, But every once in a while especially now that like the algorithm has figured me out (laughs) i i just posted one the other night of a um uh the demon one oh my god yeah seeing shit like that will occasionally like give me the real ick real say do you mind sharing what that was what yeah it was um 
a church service where this, I don't know, like 11, 12 year old girl was getting a demon cast out of her and she's like on the stage and it's very loud and bright. And the pastor is like, there's six demons inside of you. What are you? And, and I'm like sitting here watching it and immediately I'm like anger. Yeah. Yep. And the first one out of her mouth is anger. And I'm like, oh shit. And then <laughs> says the other one, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and then it's, um, and she's like growling and like, she looks pissed. She looks fucking pissed off. Yep. She doesn't look demon possessed. But yeah. I remember that like mass hysteria feeling like you, ah, oh, yes. different than the like worship, good fuzzy feeling, but like the yep. panic feeling. Um, yeah. She says like, what, uh, stress, uh, anger, stressed, depression, yep. anxiety, hatred or something. And he's like, what's the last one? And I sat there and was like, me, she's going to say me. And then she did and I just like burst into tears. Oh man. I knew it. I knew it. I hate that I knew it mm. because again, it comes back to that, like less of me, more of you. Like I'm just an empty shell. Like the, the me part of me is the worst part of me is, was something that was so hammered into me growing up. Um, you know, I I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but also somehow like I'm the worst person on the planet and, and that, again, that, like that gut instinct that like, I don't know, this doesn't feel okay. This doesn't feel good. This feels bad. I don't know if these people are safe. Like that voice was the one that I called the blasphemer that I called the demons oppressing me. And, you know, that I called like Satan trying to tempt me. Right. No, it was me. It was like me trying to help me. <laughs> yeah. I remember I had this question. I don't know if you did, cause you grew up in similar circles of like, can demons essentially mm. just bother Christians. I was always told that if you're really a Christian, you can't be possessed, but you can be oppressed. There it is. I heard the same thing. I heard the same thing. I don't. I'm like, then what card do I get for getting, for saying yes to Jesus? Like what pass, like if I don't get to be free of them completely, what is this thing anyway? I never understood. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But I, because of that, I spent my entire childhood in fear of demons. Yeah. Right? You know? So like, if they can oppress me, what does that, what does that mean? They're going to like talk in my ear. They're going to tell me to do bad things. Like I was trying to explain to someone the other day, that this concept of spiritual doors like that, the, cause Ooh, like that, I like use that phrase. Have you, you're not familiar with that one. I don't know. I might be, it might be a long time ago. Yeah, I hear. think the, the other one would be like, you know, don't give the devil a foothold. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Right. I, that was a phrase I heard a lot I, growing up was that can open spiritual doors. Like don't play with Ouija boards that can open a spiritual door. Like yes. when you just have sex with a lot of people that opens a spiritual door, tarot cards, spiritual door, Yes. You know, Harry Potter, oh. spiritual doors. Like I, and I know I've, I've like asked like, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> Oh, well, it just means like, it means that like spiritual things can come into, like, it just opens the door for spiritual things to come into you. Yeah. And like, why can't it ever be for something good? How come the spiritual doors only ever are for bad things? I don't. I because don't... the system only works if you're afraid. Uh, yeah. Like the, it's, that's the punchline is just um, fear. We <laughs> want you to be afraid of everything all the time. <laughs> and then maybe you won't get into trouble. Like. No, it doesn't work on every kid. <laughs> no, but it worked on, it did work on me. I never got into any meaningful trouble. 
as a kid. I was very compliant. And that is the, like, it is, it, it has a societal benefit. Like it's, you know, you like, like a, like a Renaissance. You never had, you never like got to be the bad teenage kid later. You never got it out. Never. Of no, no. That, you see, now the, you're going to like turn 60 and you're going to like just start graffitiing shit. And <laughs> no, mine. Like <laughs> the tattoos. <laughs> a 60 year old guy graffitiing yeah. a bridge. Yeah. I, I think for me, it, it, it turned out to be more like suppression of my own self that led to severe depression in my late thirties. And, you know, so like, I never was like, Oh, I got to get out there and like party and do all this stuff. That's, you know, that, that testimony guy, I never felt like I had to be testimony guy. Um, but yeah, the, people do, they get to a certain age. They're like, wait a second. I didn't have to repress all this stuff. Oh Here we God. go. Time to go clubbing. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of friends like that. Yeah. You asked last time about um, like, what were some of the things that like kind of shocked or surprised me once I was like more out of the Christian bubble of like, that's not how I was raised. Um, And like, I had, what? (laughs) This has been happening this whole time. Um, (laughs) And how like your kind of family's brand of, of evangelicalism was more like this insulated correct me if I'm wrong, but this like bubble of like, we want to protect you. Like nothing bad ever happens. Like yes. be careful of all these, whatever, um, like shielding you from the world. And then you got into the world and we're like, Oh no, there's like a lot of shit out here. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so, like my parents brand was the opposite. Wow. Like I, my, my father was raised Catholic. He was like an altar boy. And was like, this is bullshit. This is all fake. Like, it's just like fancy robes and swinging incense. Like, this is dumb. I hate it. And then went to college and discovered Campus Crusades for Christ. Horrible name. Like, why do Christians keep naming things after the crusade? So weird. Um, And then discovered like YWAM. And and so for him, it like, that was his rebellion was like, fuck Catholicism. I'm going to be authentic. Like that word of our family crest, be authentic, like authentic authenticity be an authentic christian a true believer interesting like that was that was the nomenclature like are you a true believer though like christian wasn't even enough like then the next level was capital tb true believer capital tb it was it's its own special class yes Um, and i think part of that was this like desperate craving for everything to be authentic and like you didn't want to be superficial you didn't want to be fake that's the worst thing you could be right um, let that. our parents to like take i mean we, and we i'm a missionary kid so we like went to port we went to countries where there were poor kids and we saw i mean they took us to the red light district of thailand when i was 15 weird trip for a kid um, <laughs> it, was when, it was when christians got really into like anti-sex trafficking like that became like a trend at some point it was yeah it, it was very trendy. I'm like, what? I don't know. Like the movie Taken had come out. I there's probably some pop culture reason why that happened. I don't For care sure. enough to Google it, but like, uh, I remember being very much of the belief that like everyone, everything in the world's bad. Everyone's broken. Everyone's hurting. Like yeah. these these non-believers need us, need our help so bad because everyone's just from a broken home and having meaningless sex and just doing drugs and their life is shit. And then like when I left the bubble, my big shock was like, oh my God, everyone's doing fine. 
Like everyone's mostly fine. Like the people that are like being sexually promiscuous, they're actually, they have a way healthier sex life and relation to their sexuality than I do. I got all sorts of weird shit going on in my head. Like you're telling me people can just like go out there and like live their life in their bodies. And like, they're not, they're not, they don't like, they're not like huddled in a corner, like rocking back and forth, hating themselves. Cause that's, I'm that person. Everyone out here is fine. They don't need us at all. That was my like glass shattering moment, I think. <laughs> okay. All right. You know what? I actually like really resonate with that too. Like, so I think there's both things going on. So we both were insulated from the world. And I think for me, it was just like, no, nothing bad's going to happen to you because you're in this place, but bad things are going to happen to those people. I knew there was bad stuff. That's such a great way to describe what we experience when we're just like, where we come out and it's like, no, wait, actually, these people are really kind they're doing okay and i'm terrified yeah but they seem okay this is a terrible story from my early 20s after i was in this abusive relationship in college and then followed him across the country and he was like give up acting acting's prostitution and i was like sure and then that imploded weird didn't (laughs) no one saw that coming alienated myself from all my friends it was And I uh, moved to Indiana because <laughs> my sister's husband, my sister and her husband lived there and I needed a place to crash. Um, and I remember Oof. thinking like, I'm going to hit rock bottom. I'm going to mm. do it. I'm going like, to put it on my to-do list, hit rock bottom. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to get out all that, like, I'm going to do all the drinking and partying and whatever I didn't get to do in high school. I'm going to really get it out of my system. Yeah. Um, and I did, I, I really did. Mm. And there was um, <laughs> a night where uh, a, a guy at a bar that I knew had, I had bought some Coke off him previously. Mm. Um, and I asked if he had any more and he was like, no, but I got crack. And I was like, sure, I'll do some crack. Why not? Like, I'll check it off my list. <laughs> um, and we went driving. Don't ever go driving with your drug dealer at a bar. What, like, what the, how the fuck did I not die? So many times I should have died. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not because God was watching me. It's because I'm really lucky. God was watching over you, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah, not (laughs) close enough. Um, But as it turns out, the drug. Okay, so I get into his car and he and he's like, so have you have you ever done crack before? And I was like, I mean, no, 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 (laughs) not yet. But I'm like, it's probably just like Coke, like I'll be fine. And he was like, I thought so. I have to make a stop. He goes and picks up his wife. And they proceed to drive me around for 25 minutes telling me about how crack ruined their lives and that they're not going to sell me crack and that I really need to like get my shit together. And I'm like, I I was trying to buy drugs from you and you're <laughs> taking time out of your night to drive me to pick up your wife and drive me around to tell me that like crack will fuck up your life because I hadn't done it before. Like what? What? You're- like, sorry, a Christian would never. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like I no hate like Christian love. And yes. like the other side of that has to be like, there's no love like heathens. That is wild. You went to someone there's think about how many pastors who are charlatans and just want your money. Yeah. Would, wouldn't take it yeah. because what they have to, to sell you is damaging. That is the greatest yeah. Story the ever. dealer in Mishawaka, Indiana really had my back. <laughs> Thank God I didn't do it. <laughs> what a lovely drug dealer. Yeah. Good guy. <laughs> I hope he's doing well. 
I hope so too. I'm sure he is because he seems really thoughtful. No. His wife too. I mean, it is, uh, it is interesting because obviously the world has trouble. We know this. There's a lot of tough stuff out there. And instead of assigning it to an evil, like demonic force, we can just be like, no, this is just what we're doing out here. Yeah. It's just the result of life. And I just, what I have a hard time grappling with now is how I wasn't able to attribute all of it to God when I was in it. Like, let's assume that God created everything. Then just Mm -hmm. basic logic says God's responsible for everything. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I didn't create my son the way that God created me. And I still feel responsible for how my son's turning out. Mm Mm-hmm. Why doesn't God like? Why doesn't God just be like, ah, I, I screwed this one up? Why does God have to murder all of us? Right. I, <laughs> I, I think I was in college when I came across the term deism, hmm. the like the clockmaker theory that God yeah. like made the whole world, set all the little wheels and everything in motion, and then was like, okay, bye. Like that. That I think was part of my like deconstruction process. Yeah. Like broken up with church, but I was still like kind of dating God. But then I was like, no, he's like not here though. Like there's no way he's here. But that's what it is. So you just said it was dating God. That's what evangelicals. It's not a relationship. I totally said that. (laughs) It's a bad one. Like it's a straight up abusive relationship. It is, but that's what, but evangelicals crave a relationship. And so if you're, so I remember hearing one song. It's like something about like, there's no way you're a distant God that just created us and watched us go like that's somehow a bad thing. Right. Yeah. So why, why I don't think that's what happened, but why would that be a bad thing? Because we need for some reason to be in an intimate, real authentic relationship with the creator of the universe. That's like a need for us as evangelicals. Yeah. I don't think that's a need for me, but that that's something that was driven home to me that that's one of the things that makes us unique is that, yeah, the, the Catholics they're you know, all that's fake. That makes sense why your parents would want authenticity because they genuinely saw the bullshit that was that whole thing, this pomp and whatever, just what are we doing here? Like, that's my parents rebelled against that too. Um, but then there was this like swing to a weird place of like, how is that like any different than the charismatic church though? Like it's just a, it's a different flavor, but it's the same performance. Like it's the same. It's so performative. Even the fact it always bugged me that the fact that church took place with like one guy talking on a stage, like I, Again, being like a geeky theater kid, I was like, it's just a show. It's a performance. Yeah, right. I don't exactly. get it. I remember finding out later in life that, have you, do you know about Quaker church? You know how that works? Yeah. You're just in a circle. And then like, if you feel moved, you stand up and you say something. Yep. Like, fuck, if I, if that was the church I had been raised in, like I still probably wouldn't go to church, but <laughs> I would have been, but what a different, what a, everyone to be on equal setting. There's yeah. no like one person in charge. It's just improv chance to talk like, wow, that what a, what a concept, what a concept, but that wouldn't, that wouldn't stroke our alpha egos. Like, is that what it is? Just the ego of like, I I need to be God's favorite or something. I, I think so. I feel like has to be part of it. 
it's power. It's like this sort of misogynistic power thing. You know, recently, you know, Rick Warren, the purpose, tri- purpose driven life guy. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah. he, his church. Yeah. His church got kicked out of the Southern Baptist convention because they ordained women. This is 2023, oh my right? God. <laughs> right. So like So on that, I Jesus. Yeah. Like so it's no it's not a big deal. Like cool. You're not doing anything really revolutionary or, or subversive because it's 2023. You're the one of the biggest churches in the country. You're going to be fine. Also, like the Southern Baptist Church doesn't like they don't provide anything for you. So it's not a big deal. But like, the, why is it that they're doubling down and saying women can't speak in church? What are, what are they afraid of? Like, it's got to be me. I'm the guy in a button up that's standing up on a stage in front of all the people telling them how to think and be. Why does it have to be a white? Well, not just all. It's not always just white, but mostly white guy. It's an ego thing. It's just like it, uh, we can't let go of that power and that domination. Yeah. And yeah, and it all ties back to white supremacy too. Yes. I, I'm trying to remember the book. I think it was Captivating. Hmm. I don't remember who wrote that. It wasn't the, it wasn't one of the Eldridges. It was another, it was like the same, the guy that did Wild at Heart. It was like his wife wrote it. Oh yeah. He mixing up some of these, but it was like that era of Christian books, you know, Blue Light yes. Jazz, all that shit. <laughs> um, Thankfully, I missed the I kissed dating goodbye. I'm really glad I missed that. Uh, you should not be. That was a phenomenal work of art. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this there was a line and one of these like Christian, you know, don't have sex before marriage or it'll be like on your wedding night. There's just garbage bags everywhere and you're filthy, ho- whatever, you know, the fucking same shit. Um, <laughs> there was a line in it about how like the 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 cry of every man's heart is am i enough and the cry of every woman's heart is am i too much i think about that a lot not wow. because i think it's necessarily accurate but i think it says a lot more about what like even how evangelical christians view gender like and then think about the implications of what we're doing yeah there's a lot of AFAB folks out there who feel like they are too much because you keep telling us we are (laughs) like, and that the deepest insecurity of men is, am I enough? And look at what they're doing to make up for it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.